Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Queer Talk, a queer podcast that brings you a regular dose of positive news stories and fabulous interviews. Hi! Hi! Hi. <laughs> Harmony, babies. Harmony. <laughs> Ah, Andrea, finally, we are so thrilled to have you with us today. For those who do not know, Andrea is a gender-fluid DIY artist with over one million streams under their belt. We have been fans since the very beginning. <laughs> Listening to some of your older stuff, you're like, oh my God, don't listen to that. Why? That was so long ago. But yeah, we have been fans since the very beginning and we're so excited to get into the nitty gritty of being DIY artistry and navigating the community too. So I have brought a story this week which is a little bit out of my comfort zone because me and sports don't necessarily go hand in hand. I know I'm like, you know, a bit big and a bit tough and rough and ready around the edges. Um, um, who's or- ever described you as that? <laughs> or- no one's described you po- as that ever. Or the polar opposite right. of that. Okay, okay, my bad, my bad. But my story this week <laughs> has picked up that Amazon Prime has acquired the rights to a documentary about the first gay rugby club called the King's Cross Steelers. Now, this is a documentary about a history-making gay rugby club that basically began in response to a bigot's comment. His name was Israel Filo, and he claimed that hell awaits gay people. Now, thanks to little Nas X, (laughs) we know that that's not a bad thing, and that's okay, and we can all embrace hell. But that then got him sacked by Rugby Australia because they were disgraced by these comments. And I... I love that that was the response. Now, I don't know how long it took them to do that, and I don't know what the timeline of that was, but I'm glad that they did. Anyway, mm-hmm. he basically, after he was sacked, continued to spout these shitty comments, saying that the devil was to blame for trans kids, and bushfires were God's judgment for same-sex marriage, and similar comments to this. Wow, he went full homophobic. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was out there coming for everyone, coming for all of us. But Eamon Ashton Atkinson was listening to these words and he knew that LGBT plus children would be listening too. And I think that's the biggest trigger. Like as as the three of us, we're a bit further along in our journey and we're able to go, okay, he's a twat. What can we do about this? But kids hear that as the first thing, that might be the first thing they see about their sexuality and go, oh okay we're not we're not welcome here we shouldn't we shouldn't exist and that's the issue so Eamon he said his first thought was fuck you and then his second (laughs) was uh what if what if there's a kid you know who looks up to this person what if they see this and what if this gives the bullies more fuel Mm. to say what they need to or to say what they were saying so he decided that he needed to tell the story of the the gay rugby club the king's cross Steelers, and they've done just that So these were absolute trailblazers because they would go as a club and play against straight teams, uh, many of who had never met an openly gay person, never mind an openly gay sports person. 
it was crazy. And as as you can imagine, with rugby in particular, these are like hyper masculine spaces, right? Yeah. It's you know probably very lads, 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 muscles getting muddy, getting down and dirty, and all. Whilst that's a massive turn on for the three of us, um, <laughs> I was about to that, say, I was like, mm. ooh, <laughs> <Keep> going, <laughs> um, almost there. <laughs> <laughs> You cannot get off on the podcast, obviously. Maybe you can. Maybe this will increase our listeners. Um, but, but yeah, I think he he said specifically that for whatever reason, the kids at school worked out that he was gay before he even knew that he was. And I think this is a quite a similar experience because in PE or sports class, whatever you know, whatever you want to call it, I felt such an outsider personally because I'd walk in and just be like, okay, <laughs> wait, we're playing rugby today. I'm like, mm-hmm, can I, go and play, can I go and do Zumba with the girls? And the teacher's like, no, why would you go do Zumba with the girls? And I'm like, yeah. because rugby. You should be able to, like, as, as a child, you should be able to have the choice of any sport rather than be like, <laughs> boys do this, girls do that. That part, that part. And then, and then on top of that, we have the whole thing, you know, oh, we're going to pick teams. And I'm like, full on RuPaul's Drag Race vibes, the last queen standing. And I'm oh, really? like, that's mm-hmm. surprising because you're so big and strong and all these <laughs> other words you used earlier. Listen, I I did actually. <laughs> Mustin, I love that you're bringing shade for me. This has taken a long time. Okay. The, I was quite overweight in school. So I actually wasn't picked last last because there were some slightly weedier kids than me Mm. am i allowed to say that of course i am um so (laughs) they would get picked after me because at least i could stand and and be a pillar or i could stand (laughs) i could stand in goal in football you were the pillar of the community (laughs) pillar of the rugby community study yes (laughs) um or i could stand in the goal during football and i said like oh well i take up at least like half of the goal so therefore if the ball comes to me there's mm-hmm. 50% chance it's just going to bounce off me and not go in. So they were like, great, you're in goal. So every time I would be picked to be in goal. Um, oh my God, trigger warning, same. Like, I hated <laughs> that. But that's the thing is, like, the thing is, I was like, I was a skinny twig. So, like, I, would, I was so scared of the ball. So I would always, like, move away. <laughs> they would come because be like, nah. nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my issue at school was I hated rugby. Out of all the sports, I hated rugby. And it wasn't because it was masculine. It was just because it was muddy and I didn't want to get dirty. She's a clean queen. Yeah, I'm just a bit precious. Now, that. now she loves to get dirty. <laughs> <laughs> How the tides have turned. <laughs> it's completely that. I think one of my tactics in rugby was to watch the ball like very closely and run the opposite direction. Right. So I would always look like I was busy on the field and I was like running and I was oh, like watching, but I was dodging. always too far away for them to pass it to me. And my teacher picked up on this and started throwing the ball. He, he would just go, Spencer, and throw the ball at me. And I would literally just watch it go past and look at it land on the floor and then just walk in the opposite direction. Because I honestly, Moody. like, do, uh, I was horrendous at school and little, little insight. I went back to do some work experience after college to my school and I had lost weight. I looked gorgeous. I'd come out as gay. Like I was fabulous. And I, and I showed up and my PE teachers were there still. And they're like, oh, I see. We told you like exercise does help. Rude. I was like, um, actually I just stopped eating like a fat pig. Um, but sure. (laughs) I actually, like, I, I didn't exercise to do this, and I especially haven't taken up rugby since I left school, so, like, you can remove that from your minds. And I and I kind of gave them a bit of sass because I was like, you really fucked me up, like, yeah. in my head and made me feel horrendous. So, but here we are. We came out on top. It's fine. And, 
you know, maybe I was destined to be a rugby player and I just wasn't inspired in the right way. So now I just have to be a fully fledged homosexual instead. But yes. um, we're not all like that. Like there are LGBT people, children who do like sports. And yeah. the thing with this is you've got a homophobic rugby player spouting this hate. And what you said earlier, like people listening or look up to this person, like say the straight people will have fodder for bullying. But the LGBT people who used to look up to him will be like, oh, I'm now invalidated and therefore I'm not going to like sports and not going to go down this route because it's not an environment that's welcoming for people like me. So then, then you have less queer people going into sports, which is a huge issue. Exactly, exactly. Like I, I'm a fan of sports. I watch football and I love it. But I think also like growing up as a queer kid in Italy, like as you said, like most people like that are in sports in general there is this kind of like untold thing that you know if you're queer you just don't say it to mm. protect yourself and most of the stories that i've read over the years is it's more of a thing where like i just wanted to protect myself because you know you, you never know how friends in, in in the changing rooms or the society would have taken uh, such you know such declaration and it, and it's sad though because i think there is this thing that as you just said that when it comes to queerness like somewhat you know sports are not linked and there's this kind of barrier which i think is silly because i i know many of queer people who like playing sports or like watching sports so i I think it's you know this documentary can be like the first of many that of of things that will hopefully kind of like yeah. tear down this silly wall between like queerness and sports because we are everywhere in society anyway and what's what's you know sexuality or identity has to do with like to playing or watching sports you know yeah exactly exactly a couple of my friends are in king's cross Steelers, and you realise that a lot of the people who join Steelers are people who have enjoyed sports but they never felt comfortable doing it at school. And the, so Steelers has become like a club where it's a social club because people can interact with other people who also like the sport, but also for new people who've never had the chance or confidence to take up the sport in earlier life. Really amazing for that. And I can see why there's so many members of the Steelers club. Yeah, for sure. I spoke to, um, I interviewed a rugby player called um, Devin Ibanez and he is the first openly gay US Major League Rugby player. Um, he came out late last year and he was saying that like, when you're on the field, when you're, when you're out there playing, you aren't going like, oh, which of these boys do I fancy? Because in a game of rugby, you're like, which one of these guys am I gonna like take out, right? Yeah. Like I wanna win, I'm gonna channel that anger. And one of the things he said is that he, all the comments and negativity he gets from, you know, homophobes and, and people who discriminate, he mm. channels that and he, he imagines that it was the other team that said those things. And yes. when he goes and plays, that's his channel. He channels that energy and he, he fucks them all up. Um, yeah. Obviously, professionally, he follows the rules, whatever. He, he's an out here, you know, like, <laughs> killing all these people, but... But yeah, channel that energy into something good. Yeah, you know, and and I love that because particularly for you, Andrea, like if you if you get a lot of hate and stuff online because of your identity, you you then turn that into art and turn it into music, and that's incredible. Yes, in- trash trash into magic, girl. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's it's, it's it's changing. It's ever so changing that sort of like negative energy without letting it affect you, but actually being that the fuel to do to do things because that's the thing is like if people are pressed that means that you're doing something right you know yeah. so <laughs> that's always the way that i see it is if people are pressed it means that you're saying things that needs to be said <laughs> exactly so this documentary is going to be very re- reflective of his experience as well as 
you know, similar experiences from his teammates and they'll be speaking openly about mental health and the salvation that they found within the club because for many of them, I imagine, well, they, they state it in the article that the club has been a lifesaver because they've actually had a space they found their people they've had a space and they've been able to thrive yeah i'm excited to see the documentary um both to look at cute boys but also to see the real shit that happens in the sports community i think i'll sympathize with it and i think i'll be a lot more open to to that then and was king's cross Steelers the first gay rugby club in the world or the uk i don't know okay go on sorry i sorry to ask you hard questions spencer you, you always throw these curveballs at me like i honestly have been awake about 10 minutes like i don't know maybe i, I don't want to say yes because that could be wrong but there must be a lot more now in the world right yeah, yeah so i know the answer to that okay. there are now 80 gay and inclusive rugby clubs around the world fun fact boom slowly we're taking over queer rugby is the way forward um, we can get rid of all the straight teams and just have queer teams, and then I think the world will be a better place. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> sort of, sort of, sort of. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go too far down can that we, line. But <laughs> can we go to um, the gay games? I really want to go to the gay games. It's like um, the Gay when Olympics. The pan- when the Pano Chocola finishes, yes, you can you can do whatever you want, Mustin. Okay, tell us, tell us, tell us. Okay. What is your story? It's, it's been covered by a lot of uh, news outlets. It's the new £50 note celebrating Alan Turing. The Bank of England have revealed the long-awaited new design for the £50 note, and it's got Alan Turing on it, who was a mathematician, a pioneer of early computers. He was the famous codebreaker who cracked the German naval messages in World War II and often credited for shortening the war and therefore saving many, like, many, many lives. Um, so he was a true hero who happens to be gay. So it's, it's great to see, like... LGBT people being celebrated on something as significant as the £50 note. I mean, obviously not everyone has a £50 note lying around, but like, that's the biggest note you can get. And there's a gay person on that note. Yes. Yes. I might go get one. As soon as I make it up to £50, I'll go and get a £50 (laughs) note. (laughs) I read on Twitter that someone was like, oh, every queer person in the UK should get a £50 note. I'm like, if you want to give it it to me, yeah. The Bank of England should just directly give it to every single LGBT person. Reparation, reparation to yeah. people. <laughs> exactly. But you know Alan Turing, right? Everyone knows Alan Turing. Like, was on Drag Race UK. Uh, <laughs> Tia Coffee. Shout out to Tia Coffee. Yes. <laughs> Shout out Tia. My favourite meme now. Alan Turing was gay at a time where it was a crime. So the sad, sad story of Alan Turing was that he saved the war. He saved many lives. But then after the war in 1952, he was convicted of gross indecency for his relationship with a man. Now I looked into this and apparently it's because he had a petty burglary in his apartment and the police came and it was revealed that he also had a lover. So because he was burgled, it was exposed that he was gay. And then it was his choice at the time was either prison or chemical castration. And because he was working on supercomputers at the time, it had access to one of the only computers at the time. So going to prison would have meant that he would have stopped doing his work. So he chose chemical castration instead, which isn't great at all. It's hormone treatment, which is supposed to suppress his homosexual urges, quote unquote. And then in 1954, two years later, he was found dead. And I think everyone knows he was cyanide poisoning. Uh, It's very tragic. And literally like this person who stopped the war, saved lives, was treated so badly after the war just because they're LGBTQ. And it was only in 2017 that he was pardoned officially by the Queen. Yeah. Wow. wow. How can you go from how can you go from like war hero to like 
literally the most like hated person to like that was how hostile it was for lgbt people like it doesn't matter if you're a war hero you broke the code and all that kind of stuff you were gay and therefore you have something wrong with you and they had to fix that but even then he made the sacrifice to get the castration rather than go to prison and like that was to continue doing his work he mm -hmm. still wanted to help people even when the world was against him like my mind is blown yeah like I, I, how horrendous it really is and it was only in 2017 that after like a 10-year campaign that he was finally pardoned for being essentially a homosexual that is like a second layer that is the second layer of it that i think is probably more damning because i mean the time were the times and there's you know as wrong that it was there's you know there's nothing that we could do i mean we we, we campaigned to the point that we got the rights that we have today but mm. just to think that someone as official as the queen just pardoned him just five years ago it's mm. wild it's, it's crazy he's pardoned in 2017 and then 2019 they announced that the new 50 pound note would have alan turing's face on so i guess they are trying to do some reparation as he said or just a publicity stunt who knows who knows <laughs> that part uh, <laughs> we'll but, see i guess we'll see but gay conversion therapy is still happening like we've We've seen the campaign and obviously it's not going to be chemical castration. I hope it's not chemical castration like we saw in the 50s. But there's still people out there, especially in religious circles, like Christian religious circles and also Islamic circles as well, where people still think being queer is wrong and there's something that needs to be corrected so you can have like a normal heteronormative life. So this still happens and we're still trying to get it banned and the government's still not saying, yes, we'll ban it today. So hopefully Liz Truss, if you're listening, ban it. <laughs> yeah like, girl you better do some action like you better do some action we tired of the talking sis the key thing with this new le legislation which hopefully will happen is it needs to ban gay conversion therapy but it also needs to ban it in religious situations otherwise it's pointless yeah because i saw there there was some kickback from the religious community am i wrong like yeah there was somebody said that taking that away from religious context would take away something <laughs> because what you find in some like laws is like they'll say it and then they'll give an exception for the church so that if you give an exception to the church then it's not really banning it at all because it's ineffective yeah, the, ch the church is probably the biggest issue here mm -hmm. uh, or one of so that doesn't really work for us and, um and the other key thing is it needs to protect trans people that part yeah absolutely absolutely i mean we've seen the rhetoric in this you know in this past couple of years really especially here in the uk around like trans issues that it's Honestly, appalling. Like, as, as a trans person myself, like, to, to wake up and go on Twitter and see some shenanigans happen almost every day, it becomes just like, nah! Like, it's yeah. like it, it becomes yeah. like, um, you know, like you're trapped and there's no escape. Um, but yeah, th and that's the most important thing that I feel like misses the point most of the time. It's like, we just want to have be protected and live into society just as everybody else. And at the moment, we don't have that. And I think that's what a lot of people don't, really understand yeah it's that 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 is what we need we need the law to protect us just like it should protect let's say it should protect everybody else you know yeah yeah just prioritize us please you know it's just absurd to me like how much sort of like talk there is around it without being followed by action so how many times has lister said conversion therapy is wrong and you know like trans people just don't rise blah blah blah, blah, blah but like laws are still sort of you know Exactly. it's all empty promises until you actually do something and it's very yeah. close to what is happening in italy uh, there is this law against like homo transphobia who's was 
getting through the chambers and was about to get approved but then because there was a change in government like had a setback and now a lot of people talk about it but it, there was factually no action happening and just like i think like last week there was an assault in rome actually in a place that was very close to where i lived and i personally got so triggered because that is the type of abuse i would receive mm -hmm. and and then you see some far-right politicians like jumping on it and like oh this is so wrong but that is the same far-right politician that opposes the yeah. law to be passed which is this is in a previous episode me and spencer were talking about how great it is that there's a lot of in the us there's a lot of lgbt representation now since the last election yeah. and we need more lgbt people in those those positions of power who make the, yeah. the, who push these bills forward and actually people from all minorities. Action. All minorities, yeah. Because otherwise, the people who give a you know don't really care about minorities. They'll just talk about it because they have to, but they won't actually. They, don't, they have no interest in pushing that forward anytime soon until it's relevant or helps their image. Exactly. This is the thing, and they they literally couldn't like they couldn't understand it. And I I get that as in they will never understand the experience of a trans person. So why wouldn't you just be like? hey trans people please tell us what the issue is so we yeah. can fix it but because it doesn't affect them personally it just doesn't become a priority and as a government that's supposed to look after the country as a whole they should they should look after every yeah. you know aspect and and corner of that of that country it so bringing it back to the 50 pound note with alan turing it's great that it's happening you know lgbt representation on a banknote we love it but a lot of lgbt people were quick to criticize it because it's like don't just virtue signal don't just slap a LGBT face on a banknote. Actually protect us. Actually ban gay conversion therapy. Actually make it easier for trans people to transition. Like, do the things as well as yeah. just, you know, saying tick box. Yep, got a gay face on a banknote. We've done our LGBT bit for now. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you said it. You said it as well. I think it's, it, it's a very common practice there, I say, where there is this, this you know, I'll, I'll give you a little nickel so that you can shut up a minute about certain things. But the thing is that a lot of confusion, I think, goes that, yeah, he's, you know, he's a gay icon and, you know, he's definitely, you know, we remember him like very, very dearly. But also that doesn't take away from the fact that we need more, you know, bi and trans and gender conforming people to be at the forefront on certain movements so again i think it also validates this idea that gays and cis gays and lesbians kind of like have it all so therefore there's no need to for extra action because you know we're almost we live in kind of like a like a, like a post like discrimination for queer people era which is like never the case um yeah. and i think it's just like a little these are like these are good things obviously but they're also they feel also very like pretty boxes with nothing inside if they're not followed by tangible ways to make sure that queer yeah. people live in a safe a safe way and all queer people not just those that suit your narrative unfortunately yeah. a lot of progression happens for the white male first then it trickles down to the rest of the minorities within lgbtq I'm thinking, like, when are we going to have a black or brown British face on a banknote? And if that ever happens, imagine the controversy it would cause amongst the population. You only have to look at the Meghan Markle situation to realise people just don't... It doesn't sit well with some people that there's a black slash American person in the royal family. But it's crazy because their legacy is built on that. <laughs> That's literally their legacy. Bring it back to positive news. I know there's a lot to talk about here about, like, how the Alan Turing story itself is quite bittersweet because of the way it ended. And there's still a lot more to be done in the UK to support gay and trans people. 
And I think it's great to see that the celebration is happening of LGBT people on a banknote, for example. But I also like seeing that the community is asking for more. Like, we're not just accepting this. We, we are asking for more because we deserve more. And that's the pace I want everyone to be at. Like, you as an individual, you, we as a people, we deserve everything and more. Yeah. Wow. And, also, and also, I would say not, not to stop about... Um, not to stop at the point where you know you see yourself represented. You know, remember that we are a community. So when one of us lose, we are losing. You know, so and one of our, when one of us wins, we're all winning. But we need to make sure that we all stay winning, and we have winners and losers at the same time because that creates further division and fuels, you know, the sort of like mainstream kind of like cis world narrative that we don't want to fuel into. We want to look as we are a group of cohesive people with our differences, but yeah. that we can stand together. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> it that. is time to focus on the one, the only, Andrea Di Giovanni. Not only... <laughs> is Andrea an incredible talent and someone we definitely look up to in the LGBTQ plus community for inspiring speeches like that one. But they're also an incredible friend and a serious force to be reckoned with. Hi everybody, my name is Andrea Di Giovanni. I'm a singer, songwriter, performer, and also I like just to, you know, call things out when I see. I'd rather <laughs> use the term advocate more so than activist because I'm much more than an advocate than an activist. And thank you so much for having me. Like, it's been, I wanted to be on this podcast for so long. So it's great that we finally found the right occasion for me to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Okay, so Rebel, your debut album is out now. Yeah. So go listen to Rebel. But after the episode, please, honeys. (laughs) Don't switch now. (laughs) (laughs) Just turn us off. No, okay. I know you're a bit of a troublemaker. And you're also very honest and outspoken in what you do. So tell us, where did the title of the album come from? So um, the concept of Rebel obviously developed around uh, the song Rebel. And it's a song that I've written with my pal Sylvie, which is incredible, talented artist. She's a queer woman, so go listen to her. Um, And the idea behind it, that we wanted to tackle tackle the idea of like climate change and we wanted to to bring like a really cool perspective around it. So in Rebel, basically, I am this kind of like rebel alien that is coming from the future, deserting their own kind, just Mm. to show uh, this representant of like human humans in general, of mankind. And he wants to show to show them that the planet eventually will be burned down and, you know, the mankind will be extinguished if we continue to use and peruse the resources and that you know mother earth is giving us but the cool thing about the song is that the perspective remains open in the sense that i'm just showing to this representative of mankind what the future is going to be but then the decision isn't made for for this person for for them like they have the choice to either taking into consideration what they just saw so destruction and the end of our kind 
mm. and therefore do something about it or just to blissfully ignore it and keep on doing what they're doing. That's why, like, in, in the end of the song, they say, so dream while you can, will it be your last? But the question stays open. And to kind of, like, segue from that, I realized that Rebel would have been the perfect title for the album because, first of all, I think, like, I've always been a rebel. I always kind of, <laughs> like, <laughs> done things against what everybody else said. And besides that, I loved the idea of having an album that wasn't so monothematic in terms of sound. I didn't want to do, like, you know, nine tracks that were all somewhat in the same world. But instead, yeah. I wanted to use different type of, like, sonic experiences and sounds that were coming from my childhood and mix them all together because the, the feel rouge of the album is definitely my voice. My voice is, like, very pop. Whatever you put it is, like, it's very pop. So I decided to, like, use that as, like, the kind of common thread and then tackle from the album from like different like kind of like sonic spaces you know we have stand up which is kind of quite gospel then it delves into some like r&b jams and then it goes in also like kind of like pop rock and then touches on a little bit of jazz and blues and then it closes up with take me back that i like to call it my haskell musical track is you know <laughs> it's, it's it's very dad it's like about like a summer fling and it's very chilled but it was good to me to show this kind of like new vulnerable side to to who i am because it's always been there and i i, I kind of like did that for a while then with my previous piece of work permission i kind of explored more the theme of like this is unapologetically me like you all uh and now i kind of wanted to like rein it back in just to show again like this kind of like bit more like sensible vulnerable side to me a more reflective side to yeah. what i do because this is like your baby then because you're really putting yourself into this like you're who you are into this album absolutely i mean like mm. every every track that i do is like my baby so like <laughs> you grow you grow some very like great attachment to them and and it also is nice because like it's almost like a, a picture it's almost like an instagram like a real life instagram in a way and it, it just pictures this moment this moment that, that you have felt and it, it almost like a checkpoint and sometimes it's good to like to hear back because also like you you learn a lot about yourself with writing and this is a really fun thing really that yeah. there's this this cool thing that sometimes you, you can process what you're going through but you write it down and then later on you, you go back to it and it's like oh oh now i get what i was going through <laughs> <laughs> there's so many like lovely tracks and but it must be a long time since you've actually performed live for an audience which which of the tracks are you most looking forward to performing in real life oh that's a good question i mean i i, I love them more but i love the dramatic moments so definitely i'd say rebel and probably like holy water are like the one that i'm really looking forward to because like you know she's dramatic in, in the performance mm. and everything yeah and those songs are, are quite like hard-hitting like deep songs that i feel like when you hear them live and you see my performance you're almost like woof it's like after you hear it it's like wow that was intense and so yes and also and also just to, to keep on like you know spreading messages and you know make people aware um, through my performance and through my music through my testimony and like making them feel stuff that makes them question things that is something i love to do while i perform and like you know people are just like did did they just say that? And I was like, yes, I did. Like, yes, I did. I wanted to make you think, little girl. Like, I give you the fun. I give you the fun, but I also like to have these kind of little moments through my performance where I yeah. get very serious. And, you know, we talk about, you know, what it is to be like gender non conforming in trans. And also, like, there's going to be like a prime opportunity to talk about, you know, like climate change with Rebel and just to be like, wake up. 
<laughs> to, pro- to provoke thought. Yes, right? yes, absolutely. Absolutely, I think you know, as, as as queer people, and I think as artists, more so than queer people, to be honest. Like as artists, we are provocateurs. Like this is what mm-hmm. we do. We reflect back to what we see into society, and I think through the mean of music, we are able to reach a wider range of people simply because music. Does, I feel like music doesn't have barriers. So you listen to a track, and you're like, whoa okay like that made me think and it doesn't matter where you come from your ethnicity your background your sexuality your identity like music kind of like defies all of these type of things which i think is great i had the pleasure of listening to some of the tracks before they were you know finalized and stuff like that you kind of moved away in terms of labels from being a queer artist right um so do you still i mean obviously it's there and it's part of you so it's never gonna not exist but um how do you you know sprinkle that queerness throughout because and and tell us a bit about why you you don't want to just be labeled as a queer artist yeah i mean this (laughs) this might sound like a bit controversial crazy when you hear it put it that way but the way that i said is i'm making a really big point about the fact that some way somehow like you know, being queer in the music industry, it's it comes with its set of challenges, just like in every single bit of society. But they do this really fun thing where they like to put the queer adjective in front of the music that we do, almost to kind of like segue us out to a very niche audience and to relegate us in that little pool of queer audiences without having the chance to have the same exposure that quote-unquote straight artists, because that's, you know, if you call me a queer artist, I'm not going to call you a straight artist, have as a default. So I like to say artists who are queer, because of course the queerness is, you know, it's my life, it's my identity, it's who I am, so it's still going to like pop out eventually. But what I want for both artists and people in general just to just to look at us like as, as artists, like my my identity and my sexuality shouldn't be the first thing you you read about me, and then oh yeah, you also sing you you know blah 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 and all of that. No, like I'm an artist, I'm a performer. That's how I exist in the world. My identity, my sexuality is is almost secondary, and it, and it shouldn't be the first thing that when you talk about me that you say as as beautiful as that is because it is beautiful don't get me wrong but the problem is it doesn't become beautiful in the setting of the industry that is the biggest problem and I think you know with shame resurrection you really prove the point that whenever my track got mainstream exposure in five months it reached a million streams on Spotify and more across all platforms and that is the proof into the pudding that if we get that exposure realistically because it's music like nobody listens to a track and goes like oh that's queer no maybe we queers do that but like I don't don't think that the rest of the world actually acts or thinks in that way so if we can have more exposure I was I was literally talking to like Spotify support like yesterday talking about this and I was just like why are we relegated to the the pride hub as like they call it there's out now a few other playlists but then my straight counterpart can have all the mood playlists and all the type of exposure but me i'm like relegated to this space and also i'm tokenized because let's be honest i'm very tokenized in bits and bobs of like around pride but then there is no factual support around it so that's why to me it's like i'm an artist who's queer but like i'm an artist first and foremost i guess i I, when you when you talk about the playlist on spotify i totally get what you mean now because before i was thinking like you're a queer artist, so you lean into your queerness and that's what, you know, that informs a lot of your artistry and you should be very proud about that and, like, 
you should be proud about being a queer artist. But I totally get it when people almost weaponize that against you and that's where it doesn't become cool. Because if they're always saying, oh, we'll, yeah, we'll put you into the Pride playlist. But like, why don't you get put into the Pride playlist and the Mood playlist? I guess that's the best way to put it for my mind. It's yeah. like it's weaponized against you. Exactly. Because it, it's not always like being a queer artist isn't a bad thing, is at it? At all. At all. Like you, you just no. proved the point. It's like I'm immensely proud. And I mean, I think throughout my career so far, I've, I've, I've you know, showcased that. But what I've mm. seen is that from an internal point of view, it's, I mean, it's the whole debate about Harry Styles and Lil Nas X as well. The problem is that when these folks are allowed to do this sort of like exploration and do these things and encode iconic, gender bending, which they are. I mean, Lil Nas X for yeah. the Harry style, in my honest and humble opinion. Uh, but... <laughs> And also, I mean, like, with little Nas, there's intersexuality aspect, you know, he's, he's like a black queer man, so, like, props to all of that. But the, the problem is, the critique I also made yesterday, it's not about him. Like, I'm, I'm here, like, going, yes, like, I loved everything about it. But the problem is that uh, it should never come at the expenses of our queer folks. And that's sadly what's happening. Because when I was doing this type of thing three to four years ago, the response to it by the community and the industry at large was, we like the music, but it's too much. T- tone it down. Tone it down. This is too much. Yeah. Like, we don't get it. What are you? Like, man, woman, blah, blah, blah. At the time, I didn't identify as trans at the time. So there was a lot of confusion around it. And I felt it was, like, easily and blissfully, like, skipped over. Then fast forward five years later when... You know, things have progressed a little bit, but there is somebody who has a huge budget, a huge label behind them, and, and then goes to create this type of things. And then there you go. The press is like iconic, gender bending, blah, 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 yeah. And it's like some of us who have been gender bending for quite a while, and we feel as though as we're silent. So their exploration and their, you know, their beautiful, like, visual artistry and their freedom to do so, I mean, with, with Lil Nas is different because, I mean, at least the difference is that he speaks up on things and I praise that so much. Yeah. And I know how hard it is, especially in the R&B, like, rap community. And or also, I mean, the racism that you find in America. So there is so many layers that intersect there that mm-hmm. is really hard. But when I come, for example, to Harry Styles, like, he's allowed to do this exploration about keeping silent and waving flags at concerts, which is all nice and cute. But what does it do? And that's what, what I said is like, you can use that queer aesthetic, which sadly has become a little bit of a trend. And I say sadly because it's, you know, we are not furthered, but it's yeah. people outside of our community who are using that to further themselves. It's, it's, it's just like, <sighs> Okay, I can tell you, you're getting really like wound up about this. No, it, 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 <laughs> no, it is because like sometimes, like the saddest part is that sometimes even queer people struggle to see that. Like, I've had, I, I did, like, a little post on Instagram. And, you know, I like doing these, like, little, like, shit stirrup posts so that, you know, people, <laughs> people say their own opinions that are a little bit controversial in a way. But then there were so many queer people that were like, oh, but he's furthering our narrative in the mainstream. And I'm always, how, girl? Like, as a queer, like, as an artist, it's like, trans and conforming, all right? And I'm telling you, this is not happening. Yeah. How are you come to my comments invalidating what I just said to you, saying, oh, but he's furthering us? Because when I come back to you and I'm saying, how? Show me how. And I'll shut the... Mm. But, like, I need to know how. Yeah. Because... People, for, people forget, I think, that we only see our circle. So, like, whilst everyone in in queer Twitter was going, oh, my God, Little Nas X, Little Nas X. People in the real world probably don't know that song came out, haven't seen the video. 
Um, mm. I say the real world, sorry. People in the straight <laughs> cishet world. Um, we're definitely the living in world. the real world. Sorry, my bad. Um, you know, and, and it's it, it does seem like, oh, wow, that was huge. Like, everyone was talking about it, but everyone wasn't talking about it. We were. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it's it's remembering, you know, it's remembering our, where we are and our place as well. Oh, absolutely. So, Andrea, you've said you've been doing this kind of, like, gender-bending performance through your music uh, for a while and it wasn't very well received like, that must be quite demotivating sometimes it is it is it it, it can be i guess because it's like it, i think especially after the fact more so than anything like to see mm. now people being praised for doing what i did two years ago it's like where's my turn it's where's like exactly turn? but yeah. but also also like because i like to to dig a little bit of positive in everything negative I'm definitely a trendsetter because, you know, I did it before then and some people are doing it. And maybe by me receiving this type of criticism, at least it sparked up a conversation to the point that today we have artists doing that with a little mm. bit more freedom, at least from our community in the first place. So, hey, if that helped for this to happen and warm up things to do, like so be it like I, I, yeah. I don't want to fixate too much like I'm on my journey I'm on my path so and it, it's bringing me great satisfactions so I, I don't want to like fixate too much over these things however yes I think that you know having a great you know supportive system my family my team friends and all of that it, it sometimes is good because I think it reminds you that you know everything is not so dark as you wanted to make it look like it is annoying again yeah. but it's also it's it's a win for the community i'm very community based like i i love the idea that i grow when the community grows and we it's it's a mutual thing it's not an exclusive thing so if mm. me by me doing that and taking a little bit of like dirt for it has helped more people today embracing their craziness and and do wild things and that being normalized then good we've done something good <laughs> i'm sure you like have a lot of supportive family and friends like so so if you could pick one person who's been there for you throughout this whole journey like who's supported you the most i mean when it comes let's say that when it comes to my music uh mm. i definitely say like my manager bobon shut up to you boo um it's been it's been super refreshing because he's like you know a 40 plus year old uh, straight man from serbia who's you know fought the war and stuff so as, as much as he was open around like queer things he did not know a lot about them and it's been beautiful, like this journey of two years that we've been working together. And now when he speaks on to, you know, trans issues and queer issues, he's so eloquent. And like the things that he says are so good. And it's, it's, it's been great. And also it's been like my first motivator when, you know, things weren't going the way that I wanted to be. And I got very frustrated and started spiraling. He will be the first one. But remember that the journey, remember that, you know, that things will happen. Maybe not at the pace you think that you want them to happen, but they will eventually happen, which is at the end of the day what, what has been going on with my career. I think in my career, I've been most of the times a grower, not a shower in the sense that, you know, when everything, <laughs> when everything drops, you don't get the attention straight away. But yeah. time after time after time you're building you're building you're building and like people will eventually pay attention so yeah i definitely say my manager gorgeous yeah. and i i imagine as well producing an album writing songs and performing as well 
depends a lot on on those real life experiences that you know you're able to share with your manager um, and particularly narratives now I know like you said before every single day you wake up and there's some drama going on on Twitter it for, for the trans community in particular but aside from that how has the the pandemic impacted the way that you write and stuff because you haven't been able to go out and make those memories as such now I know that some of the songs are inspired by relationships and friendships and stuff which you have experienced during the pandemic but yeah how how has that changed and has this been a different process to the stuff you've written and, and done before when it comes to the album we finalized it before you know the full the full shenanigans happened yeah yeah so but it, it definitely was like a different process because I I've written 18 tracks so we yeah. produced 18 tracks and then we selected the nine for the album and then we went back and we almost like rewritten all of them and so I have to re-record all of that but it was a really beautiful process because throughout it I was able to you know correct stuff or get closer to what my idea of it was uh, so it was really refreshing in that sense when it comes to to the situation that we're all in uh, Pandora etc with me when it comes to writing I'm, I'm not one to be constantly writing I will have like a couple of sessions every now and then but to me it's about cycles so for me it was very important to get this album out because <laughs> it's like when, when you're sitting on something as big it's just like it, it, it feels weird to, to, to to keep on writing because sometimes you you find yourself probably doing like similar things that you've done in the previous music because you're already on that wavelength so I've, I have like some sessions especially with a lot of like LA friends and stuff like that but when it comes to music I haven't like written yet the new stuff I'm very eager I know I just released an album but my mind is already on the second which is like very common for artists that's very Ariana Grande of you but it, I think it's like it's very it's, it's very artist it's like I've I've seen, like I've sat on this album for like two years almost uh, because of the pandemic and it was meant to come out last year uh, but then obviously this whole thing happens and we had to like rewire the whole strategy but then yeah like I, I had some experiences you know some here and there which is it's, it's always give good inspo for writing songs so yes I think it's when it comes to writing especially in such like a tough time I'd say to take it easy on yourself I mean there is a idea of like productivity 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 and it's like no we for me like the creativity and writing songs is a, is a flow and it, it's a free flow and you let it out more so okay i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna write a song like it's <laughs> it doesn't work like i can do that but i think the most genuine stuff happens when like i'm either like super overwhelmed and i can't process something and i'm like going completely nut and like i have to sit down like write the full thing and in most of the cases it's, honestly it's just i blast it all out at once like because i'm so overwhelmed by my feelings that i was like i need to write it down so much so that i can process them and i'll be like oh, okay okay you're being dramatic but hey i'm italian so i guess comes <laughs> comes comes with the package <laughs> this goes back to what we were saying earlier about channeling that energy right because the pandemic in particular and and these experiences they hit us really hard and instead of going like i need some time off i need a break which obviously is okay but to say like right this happened let's make something out of it and that's what's inspiring i think the same for me as uh, i don't know if i label myself as a content creator but as a content creator like without without going out and, and being in queer spaces and sharing with queer people like I'm not learning as much as I was but <laughs> all of this stuff is still happening online and it still inspires emotions and provokes provokes thoughts so I think it's inspiring that you do that and that you do channel that into into your tracks thank you and then the the drama that comes through I mean if there was no drama on, mean, on this album I'd be really confused <laughs> I mean <laughs> it wouldn't be reflective of you in any way so 
<laughs> You're making me sound like a sort of a dramatic petty bitch. I'm not. Are you sure? I'm going to read you to Fields. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I, I'm intense. I would like to say that I'm intense, but I, you know, I'm a Cancer, and I'm a Scorpio, and I'm an Aquarius. My emotions are all over the place. But besides that, yeah, no, like, I'm not that dramatic. I think I tackle things with drama because I think it's very cultural. Like, we Italians are, like, big and, like, mm. ah, and all of that. Like, it's, I think it's culturally part of who we are. You've had an incredible a journey. You've, you seem to have been here, there, and everywhere doing, doing your thing. You played a lot of these tracks to me. When you when you decided to produce the album, like what was step one? Why why not why does it take so long? Because like you said, you know, you were able to review it and make changes and make it work, but like This is what it sounds like, Spencer. Like you, you showed me these songs a year ago. Like what's taken yeah, so long? What have you been doing? What have you been doing? Why the wait? I mean, I'm very impatient. I have been waiting for this album for a long time because of because of being part not part of the process. I I can't claim that, but like being on that journey with you. So how is this different from your previous releases? How is this different to release an album as opposed to an EP or a single or a music video? I think when you have such a huge project and it reverts back to what we said at you know, the beginning of, of, of the recording, it's timing is essential, especially in the music industry. Uh, timing is so, so, so essential. So when you have such a huge project, you, you don't want to throw away out, especially because first of all, it's, it's a big project to digest for anybody. It's an album, it's, it's nine tracks, it's, it's, it's a lot to go through. And with our hectic life, even in a pandemic, it's something that you need to take into consideration. Also, there's so, the problem of the pandemic also is like there's so much oversaturation. I mean, there was before the pandemic, so with the pandemic almost exasperated that problem. There's so much oversaturation. There's loads of us with voices and, and posting things and things to say that sometimes it can also become like very overwhelming. You're like, blah, 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 blah. you're hit like left, right and center by content and you're like, ah, this is too much and you can process it. So you want to create a specific moment around it. There's never the right time for it, but you, you can create somewhat of a moment, like me releasing four singles before the album dropping, so that I yeah. I could that, and that's the strategy that we came up with because this was meant to come out in the 2020. We were like, okay, let's release like three to four singles, so we, we're keeping at it, we're keeping the people's interest there, we're showing people that stuff is there, it's just about when it comes out. And then it was perfect because, I mean, the sync happened right before the album dropped, which was the perfect boost uh, for my profile and for my, you know, streaming platforms and social media. So it created that thing of like, oh, well, yeah, you know, now I'm a sync, you know, I'm a sync to Netflix artist and I'm dropping my debut album and it creates a little bit of a moment also like me approaching press. Yeah. You know, there's going to be great stuff coming with that. It, it, it makes myself easier to pitch like you know press is much more responsive when it comes to certain things and i'm not sure that if i would have done at the beginning of, of the, the pandemic i would have had the same response simply because you know everybody was trying to understand how the heck mm. we're gonna do this i think especially our sector was so hugely hit that it became increasingly hard like before like the, when it comes to the press things i, I tend to do everything myself and it's, it's it's pretty fun stuff to be honest it's not bad but People were very responsive then, and now, uh, instead, like it, this process is much, much slower because there is a lot of people asking for coverage, but then journalists are like really very few who can keep on working and doing so, making a profit. And you know, yeah. every single sector of our industry has got hit by this. So it's you know, it's that's the reason why timing is essential in understanding when is the right time to drop such a huge project to make sure that it gets the spotlight that it deserves. It's like so much goes into just releasing an album 
this, you need a publicist, you know, there's so much PR that is involved. Timing is so important. It's, it's crazy that so much relies on that for what, what you exposure, success, and at the core of it, like the music is the same. It's still the same brilliant tracks, you know? But there's so much more to it, and I think that's something I've just never really fully appreciated. So thanks for sharing that. Oh, pleasure, pleasure. Yeah, there's there's so much. That's that's the, the saying that we have in, in the industry is you can create the a masterpiece, but if you can't sell it, it's a masterpiece that nobody will know about. And some people, you know, maybe not most the most you know talented or forward thinking people have made a career because they were smart about it. They knew yeah. how to sell the product. And I think this is like, a, it's a music industry. And I think a lot of us creatives forget that industry, money making. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's what evolves around as much as, you know, art is beautiful and creating is all beautiful and ideas and blah, 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 and all of that. <laughs> it's an industry. It's called music business. It's money driven. So to kind of start breaking through, it's also about how can I monetize my talent, really? So how can yeah. I start earning factual income from this without selling my soul to the devil <laughs> if you know what i mean <laughs> you know you can have brilliant songs but then if you don't know how to work the industry you're only going to be famous after you're dead right if you're lucky enough it, to have if, a, if you're if lucky that. enough that some motherfucker out there decides like oh but this was brilliant but he died so everybody's like oh he died oh but what beautiful music because that tends <laughs> to have that tends to happen a lot and it's so weird isn't it that so many artists get slept on, then they die. And they, like all of a sudden, yeah. they're like, everybody, oh, well, well, we love this. And it's like... A bit late now. Now? <laughs> like, now that they're dead? Like, come on. Oh, <laughs> um, so I've got a quick question. So on your album, you collaborated with one other person on one track. Mm-hmm. And that person is Guess? Yes. Am I saying that right? Yes. Yeah, Guess. And that was on the single Miracle. So we absolutely love that. And I love collaborations as well. So I just want to know, personally... In the future, who would you want to collaborate with? It's it's your question because there's there's you know I like to collaborate with all sorts of people like you know numbers or fame does not matter. Eventually, though, I definitely say that I think me and a good sis Emanike will will be getting to a studio sessions whenever the times are right, and we've been talking and we've been talking about it for a long time because uh, we follow each other for for a while, and also we have like similar vocal ranges and stuff. So I think it would be great. The ultimate though. It's, I guess, it's my Italian sister, Lady Gaga. It's just, I think we're very similar in, <laughs> in, in many aspects of our careers and our music and vocally as well. I think it would work really well. So, yes, dream big and maybe like eventually, I mean, ADG plus LG, perfect. I mean, it's, <laughs> there you go. If you're listening, Gaga. Well, I was going to say, luckily for you, Lady Gaga is one of our listeners. Yes, so. come on, Stephanie. <laughs> would you ever like actually collaborate with someone who is talentless like spencer <laughs> yes because i love spending okay absolutely great. if you need someone in the music video i'm here of course if i if i need a thoughty music video i know who to get <laughs> some, some of us must seen have already featured in an adg music video have you of course true what were you doing in the video you, you didn't get the invite oh i was just filler in the background yeah i got told to stand at the back and look pretty because i was tall i was perfect for the back of the shot it made it look like it was full you know tall big strong pillar yeah, of the music exactly video. full circle the rugby player of the community yes benny um, as, as a talentless individual Stop. have a lot to offer you know a man of many talents Mm. <laughs> Rugby not being one of them. 
I can well. sing. I can I just sing. I wanted that on the record. Oh, okay, okay. I can't sing. Fine. Oh, you do have a music video from college. Okay, let's let's skip that. <laughs> oh, now I want to know. Now I want to know the full tune. I'll find the link to you. I lip sync. It's really good. I lip sync. From I when Spencer sing. did a Spencer did like a film degree in college, and there's like a fake music video of him pretending to be a singer. Iconic. It's so funny. I love it. Iconic. I'm going to share with you. Release the footage. Release <laughs> the footage. We it's asking. all over my socials. I thought this was going to be like my break into Hollywood. Like maybe I was going to get invited on Drag Race to lip sync. Like I'm going to study, I'm gonna study Ashton now. Spenny released the footage. Like, <laughs> me and Mufsin are going to go to full like Twitter let's, campaign. Let's get that trending. Exactly. Let's get that trending. Everybody wants to see the lip sync. Okay, uh, back to you, Miss Andrea. Um, the the queer anthem on the album was Stand Up, right? Yeah. I, I love it. I just sit here and close my eyes and like sway side to side because it's just such a it's such a vibe. So so talk to us about that because it it was more than just a track, right? It was a bit of a campaign. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, this is a song that I co-written with Samson, uh, which is not a great like UK writer. Follow is a singer, and honestly, follow all of his music because he's great. The thing when I write with people is just a really fun experience because I always we sit in front of each other and I'm like, is is there something in your life that has been bothering you? And and it can be anything. And they they start speaking, and while they're speaking, I'm I'm literally writing titles of the songs, like doing like very like psychologist moment. But that's how I do. And while we shared me and Samson, he being a Jew and me being growing up like Catholic, we wanted to kind of like explore this theme of growing up in religious households as queer people. And what that has done to us, but also the journey from, you know, getting away from it to kind of going back into it with a kind of like fresh new awareness and perspective, which is of openness and, and, and love in a way. Because, you know, when when we grow up in stand up, I always say this, you know, like I'm going out of the church because, you know, the priest in the shrine keeps lying. And because, you know, he's saying all of these negative things about queer people. What, what is he doing in his private life? Maybe being a pedophile or, you know, kind of like pushing through that 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 the kind of like abuse and violence onto to other people so by the end of the song what i'm saying is actually like stand up for yourself and everything that you believe in and i'll be there waiting and in the end i'm actually the one praying for you so it switches the dynamic into you reach that awareness of like you know faith is faith i'm in love with who i am i respect who i am i just wish you could do the same because by you trying to put me down it's, you're just showcasing your own insecurities and your own, you know, lacking of things. Because as somebody who's was really deep into religion, I mean, I've got all the Christian sacraments people who want to marry in church, but I also studied. I had like a great religious teacher who brought us to mosque, to synagogue, to all of these places, to Buddhist temples. So we actually really got to know. And never, never in any scriptures, in any religion, there's anything that targeted specifically queer people and say that they should be put down. So anything else really has been a fabrication of human interpretation from it. But realistically, like, uh, I, I don't think that, you know, you can't, you, you can't be queer and religious. The two things easily can coexist. There's nothing that says that they do not coexist. And if somebody is, is saying otherwise, again, I think yeah. it, shows more about their own insecurity their own lack of understanding even the faith that they're going into and i wanted just to show like you know 
stand up, really. Stand up with us because we, we, you know, we've been standing up for ourselves. Now I want you to do the same and coming together mm-hmm. as one, which is the human race. And I think it's something really beautiful that like ties in with the conversation I had with my mom in the recent weeks, whether my mom is like, is usually Catholic. She has had the green theology, but she told me this and I, I, I truly gagged because she told me that she was going to these seminars still by theologists, but who were talking about transgender and queer identities because she wanted to understand more. She loves and respects me, but we still have some difference of views when it comes to gender identity. So she, she, want, it's like she wants to understand, but just the motion of rather than criticizing it trying to understand that even if it comes from you know a theologist perspective it shows that at the base of it even within religion there is no prejudice but the prejudice and the judgment is is, is being brought up by humans by by the people yeah. by the people yeah. not by anything like higher up that is religious i mean god whatever you want to call the God, Allah, Yahweh for the Jews or many other like different when it comes to like other religion, love, like if, if he created us, he, she, they, whatever that is, created us, like he, he loves us all. I wanted to show that, you know, like not have like a song that you had uses, used religion and kind of portrayed it necessarily in a negative way. But I, I just wanted to show like, hey, you know, like we stand up for ourselves. We, we can help you stand up. We're here waiting for you. Like take this love because there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Love is universal language, you know, knows no barriers. Now, we didn't want to bring you the incredible ADG, that's Andrea D. Giovanni, without giving you an exclusive live performance. So singing us out with stand up, Give it up for Andrea. Hey, you say that I'm special, but you say that I'm the devil. You say I'm on my way down, down, that I'm on my way down. I'm out the door crying as the priest in a shrine keeps lying. And now I'm on my way out, out, now I'm on my way out. Keep on preaching all you sins to us where the guilt you've been hiding Stop denying When you find the light The strength away to understand You'll be shining You'll be shining So stand up And I'll be there waiting Come take this And that, everyone, is the end of episode 27. Thank you so much for joining us. And Andrea, it's it's been the longest wait, I know, but I'm so glad that we got together today. So thanks for spending some time with us this week. Thank you so much for having me. I know, but like, I think it ties in back with the timing, isn't it? When the time yeah. was right and this was the perfect time to do mm-hmm. so. So thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Always. So Andrea, it's been a lovely conversation. So for our listeners... 
How can they find your music? How can they find you on socials? Please plug yourself right here. So I'm on all social media at Andrea Di Giovanni, and you can find me Andrea Di Giovanni on all um, streaming platforms, also on iTunes, buy the music. That brings us a little bit more penny in our pocket. So if you can download the album on iTunes, that would mean a lot. If not, there is also Amazon Music and different stream. Wherever you stream it, the most important thing is that you stream it, share it, and just love it. Show the love. And don't forget to let us know you've listened to the show on socials. We're on Instagram at queer underscore talk. And on Twitter, we are at queer talk underscore. Until next time. Bye. Bye.